I do think that's the distinction because we, we don't want to like discount the feeling. No. Ever. Um, because it is an indicator that something is going on. And it might just be purely an internal battle or it yes. might be actually a justice battle with somebody else. Um, mm. But we need to unpack those feelings. So like what we're talking about, you know, just this reflection of what is my heart actually telling me right now? Like why... Why did I have this response to this stimulus or whatever? If you're joining us today, this is part two of our podcast on Angry Jesus. We felt like we needed a part two. Last time we talked about um, the passage in Mark 11 of Jesus flipping over the tables and being angry in the temple mm -hmm. and why that was and what the passages before and after were and like also what scripture he was quoting. So we kind of did a deep dive into this passage and talked about how, you know, Jesus and God's anger are the same because they are both God and how when we do things that are not of God's heart and we have, you know, motivations that aren't pure um, or we're putting ourselves in the focus or ourselves in the place of God, then those things tend to make God angry. Hmm. So um, today, I think we will continue talking about anger and maybe more take a take a more like personal look at what anger looks like in humans in general mm -hmm. and then in us from our experiences. So um, to start off, we thought it'd be fun to talk about some pet, pet peeves. Yeah, let's do it. I'm gonna ask you first because. I have a hard time identifying some of them because anger is a weird emotion for me. So Carly, what are some of your pet cool. peeves besides someone turning the table and asking you the question first? Okay. Um, the first one that comes to mind is mouth noises. Yeah. I don't like extra <laughs> mouth noises for some reason. Sure. They don't all bother me, but when I'm paying attention to like, yeah, that sort of, extra i don't even know yeah like what you just did yeah good good happy to contribute thank you hmm i think for me one of them i mean i don't know if it's anger that comes up but like the classic like nails on a chalkboard Ooh, yeah that one is a that's more of a cringe factor yeah it, I, I feel it in my shoulders even just thinking about it oh okay here's 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 a pet peeve uh sometimes when people don't follow road rules in an attempt to be nice. So for example, you come up to a four-way stop sign and it's clearly the other person's turn. Very obvious, not debatable. And they're like, oh, you go through. It For some reason, it bothered, like you're just messing up the rules of the road. <laughs> so that that's a that's a that's probably a legitimate pet peeve. Like I can be pretty patient on the road, uh, but that sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're just, or like letting people in in a roundabout when it's not actually that crowded. And I'm like, if you just kept going, this would have been easier That's and I could come in right after you. Words. That's not the rules. That's funny. So there's probably something in there with rule following and Yeah, I definitely childhood. get very angry on the road. So it's funny that you say that. Like if someone lingers at a stop sign or they're clearly looking at their phone or mm. not fully paying attention to what they're doing, I get very angry. Yeah very quickly hmm. so that's probably a pet peeve when people because i feel like you're in this giant piece of metal sure and they're very dangerous machines that we're all just driving around in and so if you're careless about the way that you're operating your machine like you're taking my life into your hands and that's that true. is why it makes me so angry <laughs> i do yeah which is I do get that. Actually what we're going to talk about some today because it's actually probably more of a fear response in me like mm. oh my gosh you're going to 
you know, hit yeah. me or injure me or whatever. Yeah. By that being it, dumb. That it indicates something else mm-hmm. going on. You getting to your destination maybe 30 seconds earlier, you're going to take, you're going to risk me, like my mm. life or somebody else's mm. life in front of me or whatever. You know, if you're watching yeah. someone do it to someone else. So Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And it can throw off like even this thing that could potentially be scary that you've become very comfortable with mm-hmm. driving this massive machine. If someone is operating by different rules, yes, then you're like, oh no, do I even know what I'm doing anymore? <laughs> not actually, but makes you feel like not just angry, but underneath it, it might be fear. Yeah. I'm just thinking like I was definitely the kid in like a dare program or like I was even thinking my driver's ed education process. Like I can remember all the stuff that they said were really, was really dangerous. And so yeah. like anytime I have to pass a tractor trailer, like I know exactly where that blind spot is and I like book it to get on the other side <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, that is a little scary yeah. sometimes passing a tractor trailer. <laughs> so now I'm realizing like my rule following self. Or like you're supposed to leave like a car length in between you and the other person. Uh-huh. So that way if they slam on their brakes, you have time to stop before you hit them. And Yeah, sure. I've had someone hit me in the bumper before, so I think I'm always checking my rear view mirror to see if somebody's like about mm. to hit me. Yeah. It's fear response, but mm. also it makes me angry. But then when I back up. It's fear. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I guess mine probably are too because I think about rule following in other areas of my life and if I ever feel like I've broken the rules or done something wrong, oftentimes it's a very fear-based response. Like I will get, I don't know, I mean I've done it with sermons or whatever before when I come back the next week and I'm like, oh, I said this thing wrong, which is a good practice to apologize, but oftentimes it's just like I said five instead of four, (laughs) you know, or something that I said right earlier in the sermon and I just had a slip of words, but sometimes the response is more fear based. Um, and for me, at least it's just helpful to name what that is Yeah. because that way it doesn't allow the fear to like really control me. It's like, okay, I feel this fear acknowledging it. All right, what am I going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. might seem dumb to other people, but it helps me. So yeah, that actually segues really well into this scripture I was thinking about for this second part of what we're doing today and it's proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, which says as water reflects a face so a man's heart reflects the man hmm. so as i initially say that what does that scripture mean to you what does that proverb mean to you it makes me think of that song from mulan <laughs> when will my reflection show who i am inside do you want to sing a little bit of that for us kind of but no i don't um, i'm starting to feel a little nervous now thinking about it <laughs> For some reason, um, I, I think what it reminds me is I mean, thinking about psychology and thinking about the image of an iceberg. What is the presenting action of what comes out is usually just the tip of the iceberg. That there's things that are underneath all of that, uh, stemming back to deep-rooted desires and fears and potentially childhood attachment, uh, all sorts of other things that causes this like presenting action to bubble up to the surface. Now, there are obviously things that are just going to bring up actions because you're human. Um, And so if something dangerous happens, you're going to have a fight or flight or whatever. But even that, like the reason that you have one of those um, is because of what's undergirding uh, in the heart, which is like the seat of your thoughts and emotions and um, like your existence. And so I, I think that passage is important because it reminds us that what you do isn't just about what you do. Like, if you want to change actions, um, what we really need changed is our hearts. And mm. as you start to do some self-examination through therapy, through uh, introspection, through, like, prayer of examine or other types of spiritual practices or therapy or whatever, um, you start to realize that the reason that you're doing the things is not just because someone cut you off. Right. Sometimes maybe it is, but, like, why is that bringing this up? And that's a trivial example, right? But like if someone cuts you off in conversation, like it's normal that you'd be like, hey, that was kind of rude. But if it like really, really triggers you, 
Um, why? Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's important. Where's that activation coming from? Yes, yes. for sure. Do so. you know your fight or flight? Do you know what yours is? Uh, or freeze? I There's think three. maybe, I mean, I think it probably depends on the situation. It's more like, so I think of this one example. I was coming back from, uh, I was a youth pastor and coming back from camp. I just dropped off this like uh, passenger van um, at the rental place. And on my way back, I was uh, talking on the phone to my mom um, and I was behind a truck and the truck had a recliner in it and I was healthy distance behind it, but we were on the interstate. And I watch as the recliner flies out <gasps> on the interstate right in front of me. And I did not freak out, get scared, whatever. I just got in a different lane. And after that, I felt the, like, the fear in me. And so I, I think my response oftentimes in the moment is I, it's more of the fight. Like, I don't have time to be scared or anxious. It's just this is what it is, and so I'm just going to do it. Um, and then after, I was like, oh, my gosh, that could have killed me. But in the moment, it was just like, yep, fine. Um, and so relationally, sometimes it can be different. Sometimes it can be more of like a maybe initial fight, like I'll buck up a little bit, and then I kind of like retreat hmm. or just don't deal with it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it depends largely on the situation. If it's life or death, usually it's more. That makes sense more fight, at least in my present experience. If I can do something about it, then I'm going to do it, and then I'll feel scared. What about you? You have me thinking. Uh, so at mine is freeze, for sure, mm. um, especially in a relational situation. So like, if something that somebody says to me is particularly activating, they're probably not going to realize it. Hmm. Um, but my whole body will react to it, but it depends. Like if the situation is like two people are fighting and I'm in the room and I'm watching it happen, I will like sink into like, I'm invisible. I'm not here. Like, sure. I don't, yeah. or I will make some kind of sarcastic joke, like fight, 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 just because I'm uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'm letting you know that this is really uncomfortable for me. Um, sure. But yeah, my counselor would say mine is freeze. But yeah. if it is like a life or death situation like that, I don't just like freeze on the road. I will like remove myself from the danger. Sure. So I guess, yeah, yeah. It, maybe it depends on the threat. Yeah. And, and I think to some extent it also can vary based on what, like if you're in a role like at that time. So for example, like if uh, our, my son is like there, my, I'm in a parent role. Right. It's yeah. not just me. If I'm uh, in a pastoral situation, I'm in a pastor role. Right. Um, and so there's also a level of like confidence and like authority, I guess, that comes with that, that makes it not just about me. And so that also affects whether it's for me, at least like fight or flight or freeze, or if like the thing is directed at me right. relationally, or if it's directed against someone else. Yes. Um, that's true, because I'm much more protective when it's somebody else in the room sure. that I can see, like, hey, this is harmful language, or this is not a hmm. way that you should be approaching this. I'm much more like, hey, let's not, yeah. you know, I will step in, but yes, if it's I toward me, I freeze. Yeah, and I think that goes back to this conversation about the heart, too, and I don't want to speak for you, but at least for me, uh, sometimes it would be easier even to defend or fight for someone else as opposed to for myself. Mm. Uh, whether I'm like questioning whether or not I'm right, thinking I'm being overly sensitive, uh, which I am a sensitive person. Um, but yeah, it's easier for me to step up perhaps when it's someone else than it is for me. Um, and a lot of that would be related to fear or insecurity or, you know, I could trace it back through therapy, but we're on a podcast, so I'm not going to do that here today. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> related to other things. Yeah, actually, let's let's just change the name of this podcast: Trey and Carly's Therapy Sessions. Yeah. I'm gonna reveal all of our deep dark secrets today. Yeah, with no clinical therapist present. Perfect, great, good idea. Okay, so 
that kind of pairs well with a couple questions that I had that I thought might be good conversation starters. But how do you handle others' anger toward you? Hmm. Yeah, I think it depends on who the person is. I Let's say a personal relationship anger. So like somebody I know. Yes. I feel it in my body mm-hmm. really, really heavily. Like I am hyper, hyper sensitive to other people's emotions. So on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. And so I think it's my secondary, like, I think of the word, uh, secondary reaction or way of operating is external feeling or extroverted feeling, I think might be the more technical way to say that. And that just means that I feel what is in the room, that I am aware of what other people are feeling or might be feeling. And so things like that can be, I can notice them sometimes before the other person notices them. And sometimes I can notice things that may or may not be there or that the other person might not think are there. So all that to say, I feel it really heavily. And because of like my experience with anger and just all that, I tend to do a lot of like reflection before I would usually say anything Mm -hmm. around it. Um, Sometimes my response is to buck up and fight back a little bit. Um, And other times it is after I do that, if that doesn't go well, then I kind of just shut down and I get very, very in my head. It also depends on the topic, like an intellectual debate totally fine. I'm like here for it. That's great. Um, my, uh, my wife would even, I mean, say like my whole family, like loves like those intellectual debates and arguments. And we have to be careful because sometimes depending on the subject matter, different people can feel, yeah, it can bring up anger or whatever. When some of us are just like, sure, no, like here's, here's the search to prove, like, I don't know why my family sometimes finds that fun, but family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. That feels familiar to you, but not as familiar maybe to other people, like a spouse or somebody who. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And especially depending on what the subject matter is, if I can make it more like just logic oriented, that doesn't really necessarily rub me the wrong way. Yeah. If we're actually like debating with facts. Yeah. That's so interesting. I am an ENFJ, so almost the same, but extroverted. Um, so everything you were saying, I was like, yeah, yeah. I think that is why it's so hard for me to fight for myself in the moment because I can feel what everybody else is feeling. Sure. And so it's hard for me to sort through my own feelings because I'm very quickly going, I know that person's feeling, that person's feeling this, that person's feeling this. Yeah. Hmm. And that's why I think I freeze when it's toward me because it's like, I feel threatened, but I don't know enough in this moment to, like, fight for myself. Yeah, because I think I have to go process. I definitely have to process and then come back later. So That's so so interesting because I'm I'm thinking about these, like, so with the Myers-Briggs, there's, like, primary, secondary, I think, tertiary uh, reactions or modes of operating, whatever they are. Um, And so INFJ is, like, introverted intuition and then extroverted feeling. And then ENFJ is extroverted intuition. Um, and uh, introverted feeling. And so even hearing your response, very similar, but you are like, you have this intuition about what each person feels and what they're desiring and what they're going towards. Um, And then it's like the feelings are all coming there. Whereas I wonder if even my like, I don't know, like the logical debate side is like introverted intuition is very much like, can be bad, but like, I know what I think, know what I feel called to do, no, like I'm pretty confident in that. But then I feel what all is in the room. It might be a little less like, I don't know, might be more muddy, I guess if that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I might be diving too much into my sprigs there, but. Yeah, no, I think it's so interesting. I can't remember if it's the the feeling, What so what's, it's either feeling or uh, feeling or thinking thinking and then it's judging or perceiving correct mm-hmm. okay. yeah and intuition or sensing okay 
So I was thinking about like when I took the Myers-Briggs one time in a in a workshop and they kind of put a picture up on the on the screen of this field and like a person sitting there like standing there and like you saw the back of the person's head. And so they were like describe this picture. Hmm. Like just descri- describe what you think is happening in this picture. And um, with like one word, I think, like just listing words about the picture. And so half the room went sadness, thoughtfulness, lonely, you know, perceptive, you know, like all these different things. And then the other half of the room went green grass, person's head, like very concrete versus like very, it was so fascinating. Wow. That's also fascinating, like, I mean, I didn't see the picture, but, like, I wonder if there's something introverted and extroverted there with it being a one person looking out into the field. Because I, I hear that, and I'm like, ooh, peaceful, thoughtful, like, reflective. Which is... All very positive. I think it's the feeling-perceiving one. Because, I, yes, I would say something similar, but probably more skewed negative. Sure. Like, something's wrong if they're out. Wow. Yeah, there's multiple layers to that. Yeah. But neither of us would go... Green grass. Green grass, brown hair, like ponytail. Like, we're going to, like, talk about what we think this person's probably feeling in the moment. Sure, yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah, seeing more that also, like, uh, forest for the trees or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm. Which tells you, like, I mean, that is why we are all so different. Mm Mm-hmm. Because neither one is wrong. No. It's literally just how we're put together. Yeah. And I think that's important with anger too, right? Like, or with any emotion uh, that our different personalities can trigger other people. Mm -hmm. Like a big picture person, which I am, can be frustrating to people who are more detail-oriented. And a detail-oriented person can be frustrating to someone who's really big picture and it's not necessarily that either of them are wrong or are bad but when it comes to anger too like understanding that um, there's a whole lot of factors that are at play that like my childhood experience or my experience as an adult or just the way that I operate with the world that may not be bad it might be I might be a jerk hopefully I'm not a jerk (laughs) but like it might just be this is just my personality and how God's made me and that's fine and good might really like anger or upset other people because of their life experience and because it's so different than what they experience in their life. And so I I think with anger too, part of what's important um, is recognizing also that people are different. Um, I mentioned this in this last podcast, but I, uh, I found the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. It was from a excerpt from a sermon that he preached in 1956. Uh, but he was talking about anger, and he said, always be sure that you struggle with Christian methods and Christian weapons. And he said, never succumb to the temptation of becoming bitter. As you press on for justice, be sure to move with dignity and discipline, using only the weapon of love. He says, let no man pull you so low as to hate him. Hmm. Then talks about always avoiding violence. And then goes on to say, in your struggle for justice, let your oppressor know that you are not attempting to defeat or humiliate him or even to pay him back for injustices that he has heaped upon you. Let him know that you are merely seeking justice for him as well as yourself. And, I mean... That's a lot of integrity right there. That's I mean, that's his legacy, right? Right. Uh, Of, like, pursuit of nonviolence. But, like, he's fighting. Right. Nonviolently. Yeah. Um, And, of course, other people throughout history have pursued justice doing uh, different things. But when it comes to anger, I think this is helpful for me. Uh, because what I need to recognize is that my enemy in the situation is not just the other person. Mm-hmm. And part of that comes from being able to separate that like action tip of the iceberg thing from all of who this person is. Right. And that's hard. Um, but I think also like as a Christian being called to love our neighbors, um, pray for those who persecute us to uh, recognize the image of God in other people. Um, That's, I think, one of the things with anger that we have to be mindful of is to uncouple that. 
Yeah, I was actually listening to Annie F. Down's podcast on the way over here, and she was just giving somebody advice on something else. But she said, like, your feelings can be in the car with you, but they they shouldn't be driving. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that's the distinction because we, we don't want to, like, discount the feeling. No. Ever. Um, because it is an indicator that something is going on and it might just be purely an internal battle or it might be actually a justice battle with somebody else. Um, Hmm. but we need to unpack those feelings. So like what we're talking about, you know, just this reflection of what is my heart actually telling me right now? Like why, why did I have this response to this stimulus or whatever? Hmm. So, um, that's good. I saw somebody post, which is always a great source of information, uh, not really, but was talking about that some of us need to repent for not getting angry at the things that Jesus got angry at, Mm -hmm. and then others of us, maybe all of us also, need to repent uh, for getting angry at things that we didn't need to get angry at. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we have different temptations where some are prone to like never listen to anger um, and just think it's this is just on me. And then other people just respond always in anger and think it's always the other person's fault. And I think that's part of like the formation journey of becoming who we're made to be is learning to discern the difference and also understanding that it is often like gray and mixed emotions. Um, I think about the passage about um, judging other people about removing the log from your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. and that's important to recognize like, okay, part of my anger here is just based on my own personal journey and experience, but also it's right for me to be angry against this injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think, I wonder if those are like two broad characterizations of our temptations. Mine tends to be not allowing this anger to really fuel action and more goes internal. Um, but that's not everybody's. Yeah, so my second question was actually, do you express your anger to others? And if so, why? Or if not, why? Uh, Sometimes I'm passive. Uh, I'm more prone to being, like, passive, aggressive. Depending on the situation, too, I could respond with humor. Um, It it, it depends, too, if I've I've tried to express it before and it's been helpful. Uh, My anger tends to implode Mm -hmm. more than explode. Interesting. Like it, it, it can very much like implode in here. Um, and as I've gone through therapy and like grown older, I've come to become more and more comfortable with that and realize those patterns uh, in my life. But yeah, it, I tend towards being more um, passive. And then when I presently, at least when I've learned to be more active about it, I, I found Martin Luther King Jr.'s words really helpful that I think about, okay, what is the, if I'm going to express this, what is the goal of this conversation? The goal isn't always just for the other person to know that I'm angry. Mm -hmm. The goal is to make things right. Sure. And so do they need to know that I'm right? Probably not. Honestly, sometimes it's better if the other person thinks it's their idea. Um, And (laughs) oftentimes, I mean, but, but like for real though, right? Like, at least in my experience, I think sometimes that that helps, right? It's uh, oftentimes when you step back, you realize that sometimes you're even pursuing the same sort of thing and you're getting angered by different things. But if instead you are able to say, okay, what are we moving towards? What are we both looking for? Uh, what is it that they're looking for? And what is it that I'm looking for? It's not about me being right. I need to let go of my pride. Um, how do we work towards making this thing better? Right. Um, and so for me, I think when I do start to express it, it might not come out as much as like anger. It's more like how do we partner together towards the pursuit of justice? Justice makes it sound more like, I don't know, not more significant, but some, how do we just work to make this situation better right, <laughs> together? Right, right, right. Oftentimes it's not just like justice. It's you know right. something trivial. Yeah. But. Or it's, in an interpersonal thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, I apologize a lot too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes maybe too much. Mm-hmm. So. 
yeah, I think I've told you not to apologize for something before. Yeah, like, probably several times. <laughs> yeah, like every time you call me about something about work, you'll be like, hey, I'm sorry to call you. And I'm like, why are you apologizing? <laughs> like, this is during work hours. We are coworkers. You can call me. It's completely appropriate. Yes, and I need that. And if I answer, I'm available. <laughs> so <laughs> If I'm not, I won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about you? How do you tend to respond? Um, I am not good at expressing my anger towards others. I think I relate to a lot of what you're saying. I, I think because I'm so quick to know what or think that I know what other people are feeling or thinking, I can very easily be like, they're not going to receive this. And I've had a lot of experiences where people haven't received. Sure. Um, I don't, I always try not to approach people when I'm still angry. Mm. Um, I need, like I said, I walk away and process things way too much, honestly, um, before I move toward action, if I choose to move toward action. Sure. And then a lot of times when I have done all of that processing and then move toward action and it's still not received well, it sticks with me and I don't, I, I, some people cannot receive that, you know, because I do think even mm-hmm. in what my, uh, Michael, what am I saying? Um, Martin Luther King Jr. is saying, like, that is a humble spirit. Yes. And not saying that I'm always humble either, but if you don't have enough humility to receive when somebody is telling you, hey, you've wronged me or hey, you've, you know, you triggered something in me or something like that. If, if you're unable to apologize for those things or to say, or you feel like you need to justify those things mm-hmm. before you can apologize, that's not a true apology. And so I mm. just tend to kind of go, okay, we're not mm. gonna. Yeah. Hmm. Let me ask you this question. Uh, so we both mentioned the word triggering. Yeah. And triggering we both, I think both use triggering and wronged. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounded like two separate, mm-hmm. maybe related crossover, but separate words. How, when someone comes to you and has says, hey, you have wronged or triggered me, how do you respond to that? Because at least for me, I think how I'd respond to well, maybe not how I would respond, but how I would think about responding to being wronging someone and to triggering them would be potentially different. Yeah. So how do you how do you respond to that? I don't think I would ever use the word triggering unless I knew they were familiar with that word. Sure. If they had context for it, because I feel like that's kind of like a almost like a therapy. Sure. Um, or like recognizing where you might have past trauma that's literally triggering your response. It's sure. Like, it's bigger than the actual event at hand at that point hmm. is how I would think about it. Sure. Um, it takes you back to another space and time where something else has happened, whether you mean for it to or not. And whether that person... Like, a lot of times I feel like triggering isn't even, like, that person is trying to wrong you. It's like they've said something that suddenly transports you back to a past wrong. Sure. So, I don't know if this is answering your question or not. But wronging, I think, would be... So, if someone were to come to me and say, like, what you did triggered me, I think I would try to understand more about what their experience is so that I knew how to approach something in the future. Yeah. You know, cause I, I don't want to trigger somebody's no past trauma. Um, I also don't want to wrong people either. So I think yeah. wronging is more of a, of a, that is something I have done to intentionally or unintentionally harm. Somebody. Sure. So, in that scenario, then I need to just apologize. Hmm. And I think something I I try to work toward is apologies are not justifications. So like whether or not you feel like that 
deserved for them to feel hurt about. It's not about that. It's about mm. how they're feeling. Sure. And so I would hope that I would get the same respect if I were to in turn do that as well. Because it's not like I can't talk you out of your feeling of like what you felt like wronged you. Mm. So hopefully I can just give the apology and then mm. maybe follow up with like how can we make this better in the future or something like that. Hmm. Now that sounds very noble, so I don't know. Hmm. I honestly, I don't have very many conversations like that. Sure. I and mean, maybe some people. I feel like other people have more conversations like that than than maybe I do. But hmm. because I can only speak to my experience. Sure. But you know, obviously, a lot of these I feel like happened in the context of marriage for me. Sure. Um, yeah. that's where I'm most talking about these things. And it's mm. very hard to lay down your pride and to say, I am sorry. Like mm. not, well, when I was doing that, I was meaning this, this, and this. It's like, it's not about what you were meaning. It's about how that person received it. So. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's so tough and tricky, right? Because when I think about triggering, like that's, I mean, sure, you can be totally insensitive about other people's emotions and just say whatever and not care. And it's not necessarily bad, but you're just very triggering. But you could be being very kind and doing the right thing and it be triggering Interesting. to someone else. Uh, can you give me an example of that? Yes. Uh, for example, uh, if like... I'm like getting better at it, but I'm like my own worst critic. And so words can be really hurtful. Oh, I see. To me. Mm -hmm. Someone could say something to me that is right, but it is triggering. Okay. It, it's not that they did something wrong by telling me. It may have, may not have been, but may have been the most appropriate and right thing for them to do. That my triggering is a symbol of like me still needing to work on, um, work on some things internally. I also think about, uh, you know, issues of, I mean, we were talking about Martin Luther King, right? Uh, pursuit for uh, racial justice, uh, fight against systemic injustice, systemic racism. Like even me saying those words would probably, I'd say probably, I know is triggering for some people. Is that wrong for me to mention it? No, I don't think so, not in this scenario. Um, and so uh, it's, it's tricky, too, because sometimes we can feel wronged, we can feel triggered, and we have been at least triggered, but we may not actually have been wronged. Yeah, I think... If that makes sense. I think that's why it's so important, this internal work we're talking about. Hmm. Um, for me, it's really helpful to talk about that stuff with a counselor because yes. they weren't there. And so I can present... Now, that can be dangerous because you can only present your side of things. Sure. But also, it helps me to go, is this reaction appropriate for the for what mm -hmm. was happening in this moment? Or is this actually about 10 other things that have led me to this yeah. triggering moment? So I I think that, yeah, each person can, person can only answer that. For themselves but I do think that that deep work is really helpful because it's very easy to surface level react mm -hmm. and not ever think about other reasons we might be reacting in that way yeah because our scars build upon each other so mm. you know if I have a scar from a previous leader position over me and now I have a new position a new person in leadership mm -hmm. over me and they do something that reminds me of that past leader. Mm -hmm. It's important for me to go, is this actually about them or is it about the past leader? Yeah. For an example. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes it, yeah, what those triggers do is they make even seemingly small things have a much larger emotional mm -hmm. reaction to them, at least for me. And I think a lot of these things, you know, we've, we've talked about fear helps us, or anger helps us 
recognize that there's something else going on mm-hmm. underneath a fear or rejection or loneliness or you know there's something else that your anger is typically pointing toward sure so um you know for me one of my fears is that my voice doesn't matter and Mm. what i when i or my presence doesn't matter so like when i show up in a room and i feel like someone's talked at me the whole time and they've not asked me one single question Mm. that reaffirms to me that like it doesn't even matter that i'm the person sitting here Mm. and you don't actually care about me Mm. and so that's triggering for me so then i have to decide am i going to tell this person sure or do I just sort of like know that that relationship is going to be that way? Hmm. Yeah, that's does hard. It, does it spur me towards action or movement in the hopes that we can have a better relationship? Or do I leave it and just mm. feel annoyed each time and see them less and less, essentially? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And even there's so many nuances, all that too, right? Do I just, is a person for me like who's more introverted? do I just like talk more in the conversation and like feel like my voice is heard and they will totally listen sometimes. sometimes. I mean, I'm just yeah. thinking of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or will they not listen? Right. Are they just chatty? Yeah. And that's just how God has wired them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's so many nuances to all of that too. Cause I think if friends that I've had in my life too, that like totally will listen, but you have to kind of, insert yourself into the conversation and say the things yeah but they will listen and talk and be there and check in on you and um, do a whole lot of things better than I do right yeah are you showing up as well yeah and then there are some people like I do think that we have forgotten how to have conversations oh that's you yeah we have monologues yes and so that makes it really difficult when you just want somebody to sit in the mud with you and mm they're not even listening to your mud or they dismiss your mud, Mm -hmm. you know? I just want you to splash around in this mud with me for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want you to fix it. I don't want you to make me see something better about it. I don't want you to um, dismiss it either. I want you to, like, sit here with me in it. Mm -hmm. And when we can't do that for each other, I think we miss that opportunity to really love Mm. that person well. Yeah. yeah for sure and maybe God made you chatty but maybe God also made you to learn how to listen for sure and And maybe God made you quiet and he gave you a voice yeah exactly we all have stuff to work toward Mm -hmm. so it's important to recognize that we have stuff to work toward yeah yeah and everybody's got their different mode of operating and what they do with these different yeah emotions and feelings and all those things Mm -hmm. okay let's see if there's anything else so kind of what we've talked about as well is this book chip dot or chip jod's book voice of the heart Mm -hmm. and so i know that you aren't as familiar with that book but something that he would say is there maybe are some words associated with anger that we wouldn't necessarily automatically think of. And so those words are yearning, wishing, Mm. hungering, and desiring. Mm. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, from what we've talked about too, and I I think you mentioned this earlier, uh, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off the air, but off the air, that sounds like we're on radio. Um, The anger is like a secondary emotion uh, at least according to chip dodd which means that it lets us know of something else right mm-hmm. and we've been talking about fear in particular but other things too that it could be uh letting us know um and so i i think anger letting us know that we wish we hope we hunger hunger or we wish that things would be different on a small level like a road thing right um somebody's not going fast enough for you you wish that they would be going faster uh, if it's an issue of injustice, you wish, you hope that the world will be a better place. You hunger for the day that it will. Um, and anger 
in that realm of like a desire, a hunger is I think meant in a way to like help fuel the pursuit of righteousness and justice. And when I say righteousness, I mean things being made right, God's way of being, God's way of order, um, to be angry and do not sin, to allow the anger to propel you towards what is right, which is not the belittling of other people, uh, which is not hatred. It's the pursuit of God's order and love. Well said. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think it is really interesting to think about these words and how they connect to anger because I think I, I before we started, we talked about an example, and so maybe that would be helpful mm. to talk about this example. But let's say that you had plans with somebody, um, let's say to go to dinner or whatever your plans are, and that person cancels last minute and maybe gives you an explanation, maybe doesn't. And then all of a sudden you see them later on social media at a concert or with somebody else or mm. what. So most of us, I feel like that scenario would make us pretty angry. Sure. Um, so what is it mm. that you're actually angry about Yeah. in that scenario? Um, and this is, you know, this is interesting. I mean, just to be honest, like I, my first thoughts when I think of emotion for that particular scenario, and this is just my personality, is not anger. Interesting. Um, I would probably, it would be fear or insecurity, at least at different points in my life, depending on how they told me. You know, if we were planning to go to dinner and they're like, hey, a buddy of mine just invited me to go to this concert that I've been really wanting to go to, um, we'll shoot for next week. How's that sound? Cool. Great. I'm an introvert. Cool. Night at home. Sounds good. Uh, at least now, at this point in my life. Younger me, probably not. Um, I'd be like, what? Still? I'm not more important? Um, but for me, I think it would be not anger at them. It would be more fear and security because I would think they were probably justified in picking to do something other than hanging out with me. So just just to be honest, like yeah, that would yeah. be more of my innate sure. reaction in that would not be to be angry at them. Um, if I was to feel angry, it would be more towards myself. Like, man, you're not a good enough friend or whatever. Um, now, I don't think now as much I would have that response um, just of where I'm at in my life and like being more secure and things. And I'm, I'm in ministry like... I recognize too, like when I text people to hang out or get together and I'm a pastor, like sometimes people don't want to or have other things or like I bring that with me. And that so yeah. um, whether that's there or not in that conversation, but it's there with me, like just because I'm there. And so, yeah, I don't know, people ghost or don't respond or whatever. And sometimes it's totally not personal or even if it is, it's like, I don't know. So your reaction maybe would have been to self tinker. Yes, I don't instead of I don't know that I would have been angry at the other person. Okay. Interesting. I don't think I would have felt justified in any way, shape, or form of being angry at them. Gotcha. I would have felt like they were totally justified in doing it. So Which <laughs> to be honest. Everyone is going to have a different reaction to the scenario. So yeah. that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Um for me, I think I would definitely be angry. And just sort of like this, how dare you? How could you? Like, you need to honor your commitments. Hmm. I am a very, very, like, if I tell you I'm going to do something, we're going to do it. And I'm going to sure. remember it's going to be on my calendar, like, barring sickness or something. Like, I'm probably not going to cancel on you. So hmm. then when people do it to me, it like, it goes against my, I guess, my, um, one of my ideals, maybe. Yeah, sure. But also that same fear of like, my presence doesn't matter. So like, you've decided that something is more important than me. And so mm. like this pain of you don't like me enough, I think similar, but a different reaction towards it. Like, yeah, you don't like me enough to put aside this other thing or our plans weren't exciting enough mm. for you. 
therefore you've gone and found something different or better or, you know, mm. it means something about me and that's why it makes me angry. Because mm. it confirms probably something that, yeah, again, that I feel about myself. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Everybody responds differently and depends too on so many things with the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you hang out every Tuesday and this is just one Tuesday you're changing plans? Have you not seen them in a long time? And it's a friend coming in from out of town, your best friends, and you've made plans two months ago and then they're, yeah. that's different. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And so I'm sure we probably both had different scenarios in our head too. Um, whether unspoken or not like fully thought of or not that right, fueled our connected to a something that's yeah similar that's happened to you probably somebody who's listening to this podcast right yeah. now we're just actually speaking directly to you <laughs> yeah just, just kidding. kidding yeah just getting home um yeah so interesting mm -hmm. which i hope that the people listening here like we are so intricate and made up of so many different parts and yeah. so many different past feelings, kind of natural bents toward the world, natural hmm. worldviews and um, things that have been skewed by past hurts or past sure. experiences. And so we have to, again, like this inner work of knowing what that is for me mm -hmm. versus what it is for you. Yeah. And understanding, like, if you were to come to me with something, you're going to approach me in a way that you are perceiving that might be different than how I would perceive something. Yeah, of course. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. It no. just means that it's different. Okay, so last question. If you were to sum up where God is in all this anger stuff, mm -hmm. what would you say? I think <laughs> I think God's heart for his people is to love one another. Hmm. And so I think just that lasting thought of compassion that we were talking about, like that anger can lead us toward connection rather than disconnection. Hmm. And so God desires, I would think, for his people to feel connected and to be connected. And so am I using the opportunity to know more about you or am I using the opportunity to justify my rightness or my pride mm. or my perspective yeah that's good and if it's like in a systemic way am I using this to actually move towards God's way of order and being in the world or am I using this right just to like hate other people people like am i doing anything profitable right with this right am i being generous with my resources sure or am i hoarding resources and being angry at other people for not using their resources <laughs> yes <laughs> Ooh, yeah that's very true all right well thanks everybody for tuning in and we will be back next week with talking about anxiousness Ooh. a little scared <laughs> I'm anxious. I'm not. <laughs> See y'all next week.